0: Hey friends, did you know that you can come hang out with me in real life? That's right. The Work In Podcast and Savage Grace Coaching makes its home in a boutique studio space called The Loft Yoga and Wellness in historic downtown Spring Valley, Ohio. This hidden gem of the Miami Valley is nestled in between Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati. As a part of my mission to bring a legacy of resilience through movement, each month you can join me for a hike on the bike trail, followed by a free trauma-informed vinyasa class back at the studio on Main Street. Go to savagegracecoaching.com to see the calendar and join my newsletter, A Yoga Life on Main Street, to stay up to date on all the latest studio news, events, and gossip. And now... On to this week's episode. It's time to stop working out and start working in. You found the Work In Podcast for fitpreneurs and their health-conscious clients. This podcast is for resilient wellness professionals who want to expand their professional credibility, shake off stress, and thrive in a burnout-proof career with conversations on the fitness industry, movement, nutrition, sleep, mindset, nervous system health, yoga, business, and so much more. I'm your host, Erica Thomas. I'm a resilience coach and fitpreneur offering an authentic, actionable, realistic approach to personal and professional balance for coaches in any format. The Work In is brought to you by Savage Grace Coaching bringing resilience through movement, action, and accountability. Private sessions, small groups, and corporate presentations are available now. Visit savagegracecoaching.com to schedule a call and get all the details. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to The Work In. As many of you know, I started my fitness career through martial arts, taekwondo, One of the first things that we learned when we tested out of our white belt into yellow was how to spar. We would warm up a little bit at the beginning of class, do some drills, and then help each other put on full protective gear. Arm guards, shin guards, helmets, chest protectors, mouth guards, the whole shebang. And we would do that almost every class. Usually, we got matched up with another person our size and skill level. As much as possible. And when you're first learning to spar, it's a little bit more dangerous to spar with uh, lower belt levels because no one really knows what they're doing. Fists and feet are flying literally everywhere. And I confess, I hated sparring. I felt so anxious the whole time. And then one class, I was paired up with another woman who is a few belt levels above me and about my fitness level. And we were going through some drills, moving around the room, and I caught a sidekick square to the solar plexus and it knocked the wind out of me. I think that was the first time I'd ever been hit that hard. And I remember going home that night so angry, not because I got kicked, not because I missed a block. I was angry about my resistance to sparring, this fear. And I was angry that my dislike of it was keeping me afraid. And I absolutely hated that feeling. I knew that if I was ever going to be comfortable in this area of martial arts, that something had to change. And just refusing to spar wasn't going to make me any less afraid. I needed to find a way through that feeling, both in my body and in my mind. My resistance and my fear, both of those, were holding me back and Pointing me in the direction that I needed to go in my training. So rather than quitting, I joined the sparring team and through that experience, learned a great deal about what it means to be comfortable with discomfort, things that I still use to this day in my coaching. It was actually one of my first real world experiences with resilience and the nervous system, although I didn't know it at the time. Now, I recently had the opportunity to be a guest on a new reboot of the Training Club podcast with my friend, Nate Slager. Nate has been a guest on this podcast as well. His episode is episode 114, Getting Healthier Beyond Weight Loss. But this time we were speaking specifically to trainers and other coaches. Apparently, some of my recent IG posts about coaching mediocrity got some attention, particularly about being better than a Google search as a fitness professional. And I'm not sure when my episode will air, but in it, Nate asked me some really great questions about how to get better as a fitness professional. How can we as fitness professionals professionals stay within our scope and still give our clients the kind of experience beyond what they could get by themselves? I mean, where do we get that kind of education? What makes a coach or instructor stand out above the rest? And how do we become that? How do we know what kinds of education to pursue? All of those are great questions. For those of you who don't know, there are a lot of ways to get into the fitness industry. You can go to college and get a related degree in something like kinesiology or biology or health promotion or exercise science. And all of those look really good on a resume, or you can sneak in the back door of the gym that you spend every day in anyway and study your way into the industry through pretty much any certification process. And of course, there's all kinds of combinations of those. If you carry a certification, you are required to maintain continuing education credits, but it does take some creativity to curate those into, a, into any kind of Career excellence. So, how do you get better at what you do in an industry where everyone is basically doing and offering the same things? In my humble opinion, what sets instructors apart lies outside traditional continuing education, outside of the letters after your name and the certifications that hang on your wall. And in order to find that, you need to think outside the health and fitness education box. The way I find it is by taking a hard look at where I'm resisting change. Where do I feel that little bit of fear or anxiety? What are the things that I am resisting When I first started in fitness, I was a one-trick pony. I taught cardio kickboxing, and that's all. Even though I had my CPT, my Certified Personal Trainer Certificate, I much preferred group classes. And slowly over time, I was able to build out my portfolio into other types of classes, But still, that one-on-one space that we see with personal trainers, it was not my favorite. I really had a lot of mindset blocks around it, including the whole imposter syndrome thing that so many new coaches get stuck in. I didn't know at the time that that was even a thing. Imposter syndrome. I I remember feeling it. I just didn't have a name for it. And that's probably because I didn't even think of myself as a business at that time and would never have entertained the idea of getting business coaching for myself or anything else for that matter that wasn't attached to those continuing education credits that are required to maintain my certification. I wasn't willing at the time to look outside of that box. The problem with that is that I would have benefited from mentorship and networking with other instructors and coaches. The fitness industry needs mentorship for new coaches. We are not in competition with each other. The truth is, if I had been a single woman at the time, I never would have continued in this industry. It would have stayed a hobby for me like it does for so many others. And I would have become one of those numbers who leave the field, leave the fitness industry within the first three years. But I digress. If you are one of those instructors who is getting a little bored with the basicness of most CECs, or you're tired of learning the same things over and over again, maybe it's time to follow some of your resistance down a different path. I think of it a little bit like when Luke Skywalker is training with Yoda and he finds that cave filled with the dark side and he can't resist going inside to fight Darth Vader only to learn that it's actually his own face in the mask. So what are you resisting? This doesn't have to be resistance to things in your career. Maybe it's something in your personal life, maybe your spiritual life. One of the ways I excavate those things is to notice when I'm saying things like, that's not me, or I'll never do that, or this is just how I am, all of those kinds of self-talk reflect a very fixed mindset or a block about whatever it is you're thinking about and there's no room for that if your intent is growth of any kind. Fear is also a good guidepost, but sometimes fear can look like procrastination, self-doubt, shiny object syndrome, imposter syndrome, anger. To be excellent in your field requires more than all the requisite credits and letters after your name. It requires self-awareness and an active willingness to become a little better at being who you are every day. Building that self-awareness of both your strengths and weaknesses and leaning into ways to connect to them both is one of the best ways to shore up your foundation as a coach. Coaching, after all, is a business of connection. And you can't connect with people if you don't know who you are, if you don't know yourself. This is one of the first principles of trauma-informed coaching. Your life experience, your core values, your passion for what you do and how you teach, even all the stuff you suck at, all goes into your signature in this industry. So becoming clear on those things from the beginning will set you apart in this industry. You don't have to do things the hard way and fumble around in the dark as you figure it out. That takes way too long, and what you have to offer the world is far too important to hold back. The fitness and wellness industry is the front line for health in this country. Both physical health and mental health. What we think of as healthcare today is actually sick care. It's medical management designed to cover up symptoms rather than seek out the cause and empower people to be actually healthy. If we as coaches elevated our own definitions of what we do in this world first, and then sought out ways to improve how we got our message across, we could start to literally make a world of difference. Things like learning how to communicate better, how to mindset coach, how to speak better in public, how to communicate better through your copywriting, how to optimize SEOs so you could be findable, how to tap into your own personal creativity, how to tell a great story, learning a new language, maybe even sign language, and there's so many more wonderful outside-of-the-box things that you could be amazing at and would definitely broaden your perspective. They all give you opportunities to learn more about yourself and, in turn, help your clients. So what's it going to be? Where is your resistance guiding you these days? Where might it lead? If part of your resistance is because you're not sure where to start, you're bootstrapping your coaching business and doing it alone, I'd love to help. I created Bespoke C3 to be a customized virtual head start for the newest coach on the block, you. You get exclusive access to me and attention for a full year because I want you to be around for a long time. We'll work one on one to give you direction, purpose, and foundation in your business. Bespoke C3 takes you step by step. From that kitchen table checklist to a tech-savvy CEO, that can be you. Go to savagegracecoaching.com forward slash clarity to get some. Thanks for joining me today on The Work In, and I'll see you all next time.